welcome to the Redevelopment Institute podcast, where we look at how to rebuild America through the promotion of best practices, education, and technical assistance in creating communities and neighborhoods that are both environmentally and economically sustainable. This is Leslie Parrish, and I'll be your host for today's Redevelopment Institute podcast. Thanks everyone for listening. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by Will Warren. Will is a member of Vita Nova, which is the organization behind the Redevelopment Institute website and podcast. Will's expertise is in economic development, and he serves as a project manager for Vita Nova, working in a variety of different communities to facilitate redevelopment efforts. But what I really want to focus our conversation on today is Will's passion about Eastern Kentucky, where he's from, and the broader Appalachian region. Last year, Will and his brother started a great podcast called Appalachia Meets World that speaks to the challenges, but also the great strengths and opportunities in that region. And Will is also in the beginning stages of launching what he's termed the Opportunity Fund, an equity-based crowdfunding platform that will serve startups and Main Street-type businesses in the region. Welcome, Will. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you so much for ha- having me. I, uh, I'm a little biased, but I love what the Re- Redevelopment Institute do- does, and I, I definitely love the idea of this new podcast. You're all doing some great work. Oh, well, thanks. Well, uh, you know, today I really want to talk about your podcast. Um, you know, I'm so impressed. I saw that, you know, you started it less than a year ago, and you already have nearly 40 episodes. So, you know, you've been really busy over the past year. Um, curious, is this the first podcast that you've created? And what was really the catalyst behind it? Yeah, yeah, that's funny. It It is the first podcast. And it's with my brother and I. So, my brother, Neil Warren, we, we started this podcast without really knowing anything about podcasts. <laughs> we, uh, mm-hmm. we always listened to podcasts, but we didn't really know how to create one. And it's something that, that's been, it was kind of stirring in my head for, for a while. I've been kicking around the idea and I asked my brother if he wanted, if he wanted to be part, part of the podcast. And, um, he of course said yeah. So so in the in the beginning, um, it, it was kind of it was kind of a catalyst around I guess around the 2016 election or maybe even uh, when Hillbilly Elegy. I don't know if you're familiar with that book, mm-hmm. but yeah. when it came out, there was this idea of you you know journalists have this appetite for Appalachia uh, over that time period. And they come and they parachute in and they tell their stories. And they usually, usually uh, revolves around the, the stereotypes or the typical stereotypes that people think of when they think of Appalachia. And, you know, my brother and I, we wanted to start this podcast really to dispel some of the misconceptions of, about Appalachia and about the region that some people have. And to really just celebrate the great things that are going on and the great opportunities that are in the region that we both call home. And so as part of that, you know, I reached out to my brother and he, he, he of course, agreed um, to start this podcast. And one, like I said, we want to dispel some of the misconceptions. But two, we really just wanted to reconnect. This <laughs> is a great way for him and I to talk on a weekly basis and in the beginning, we didn't know if it would be uh, every week. We didn't know if it would be one episode and that's it. But it turned out that, you know, what we were doing 
we developed an audience and they kind of liked what we were doing. And now we have a weekly episode. We, we have a right around close to 40 episodes. Now we've been going for about seven months and it's, it's, a uh, everything from, uh, you know, you know, Appalachia has a rich cultural heritage, especially around music, around food, around traditions. And we, we've had series on music, on food, but also around economic development, which I, you know, work in just a ton of, of information, a ton of opportunities, just celebrating the region. But we also wanted to let uh, outside listeners, people that aren't from the region to hear about Appalachia and hear about the great things that are going on there. And maybe we can reshape the narrative of what Appalachia actually is. Absolutely. And yeah, I've, from the outside looking in, it's been really interesting. You know, I live in Colorado, so nowhere near the region, but it's just interesting to hear about some of the dynamics, you know, the different opportunities, especially some of the opportunities that have been presented during the pandemic and kind of the shift to remote work. Um, but yeah, I think for anyone around the country, um, you can start to see some interesting parallels of some of the dynamics and, and challenges, but also strengths. Yeah, definitely. And we talk about that a lot in our podcast about how Appalachia is not that different from other regions, as you suggested. You know, a lot of our challenges are the same. Solutions may look different, but, you know, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter where you're from. We all are much more similar than we are different. Absolutely. And I really like, as you were saying, kind of the breadth of different kinds of topics you cover from music and food to economic development. And so I'm curious, you know, what's been one of your favorite episodes of the podcast? so far or you know one of the people that you've just really in, enjoyed interviewing yeah there, there have been that, that's a really good question <laughs> I haven't really <laughs> sat down and thought about it but there, there have been so many uh again I'm biased it's it's our it's our podcast but there have been so many great episodes and so many great people that we've we've come to know we've been introduced to and, and even in just researching and and trying to find topics for the podcast we've learned things about our own region about our own people um that that have kind of surprised us as we mentioned you know throughout episodes on the podcast but one of one of my favorite people that we did interview was dr william turner i don't know if you had a chance to listen to that episode but he's a renowned sociologist. He's now re retired, but he worked in the Appalachian region, and he um, is actually an expert on black life in Appalachia. He, at the time, his book hadn't come out yet, but he just published a recent book. It, it's called The Harlan Renaissance, not to be mistaken mm. from, from the Harlem Renaissance, but he grew up in the 40s and 50s in a, in a small coal town in eastern Kentucky called Har in Harlan, Kentucky. I'm sure some people have heard of that if they've seen the, the show Justified. But um, he talks about life in that small coal town um, as an African-American. And he talks about it being this little cosmopolitan. People always talk about Appalachia being isolated and over the years um, how much isolation there is because of the mountains but he talks about it being this cosmopolitan place uh, that compared to Harlem that compared to Chicago that compared to other metropolitan areas and it just amazed my brother and I to find out that 
you you know what you think of when you think of small town Appalachia, especially in that time period, that there was this congregation of African Americans that um, lived in this little cosmopolitan that they called home, and how different it was to to what some people think about when they think about Appalachia. So that was one episode. We get into um, the Great Migration during that episode and put out some numbers and suggest that there was a second migration. So if you're interested in any of that, you should definitely go listen to that. But there's been so many other episodes. One was, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Battle of Blair Mountain, but it's the second, aside from the Civil War, it's the it, it, it was this civic unrest in the coal fields of eastern Kentucky, but it was this battle in regards to unionization and the treatment of coal miners in that area. And there's this whole history, this whole whole story behind it. But we interviewed uh, several people from the museum there. One was a work for the union in that area, but also was a board member for the museum. And they just ha- they had were just holding at the time the 100 year anniversary of the Battle of Blair Mountain. And there's just so much background, so much history there in regards to Appalachia, in regards to unions, in regards to the coal mines and the coal fields. But it was just a really cool episode, a learning episode. Even my brother and I learned a lot. We mentioned in that episode, there was so much in school when we lived in Appalachia. There was so much that we didn't learn in high school that we wish we would have. Even some of the authors that we've had on this episode, we didn't learn about Wendell Berry. We didn't learn about Silas House. We didn't learn about some of the some of the greats um, while we were in school, and we wish we had. There's been a lot of other fun episodes, like the we interviewed Jen Heinmiller. She co-edited the Dictionary of Southern Appalachian English. So if you can't understand some of my words because of my accent, this is a great dictionary to go uh, look (laughs) at and just to read up on the Southern. And it is a dialect, you know, just because we speak Mm -hmm. differently doesn't mean we're less than, doesn't mean we're dumb, as some of the stereotypes recall. But it's a dialect like any other. And and the the Dictionary of Southern Appalachian English is just a cool book that kind of suggests that. And there's been a lot of others. We interviewed Cofield Development in regards to economic development. Uh, they're doing some really innovative work in southwestern West Virginia uh, around social enterprises and this workforce development model of 3363. So if you you should definitely check out that episode and check out some of the work that they're doing. And I think I'm I'm kind of a music person. So one of one of my favorite episodes also. I know I've mentioned several and you only asked for one, but one of my yeah, favorite right. I'm writing these all down. <laughs> was the I don't know if you're familiar with the Muscle Shoals area in Alabama. I've heard of that, but don't know a lot of details. No. One of the reasons why it was my favorite is because when people think about Muscle Shoals, Alabama, northern Alabama, they don't think about Appalachia. But, you know, Appalachia, as we can get into, it runs as as defined by the Appalachian Regional Commission. Commission. It's 13 states, 423 counties, 25 plus million people. So the Muscle Shoals is in Appalachia and they have this history of recording uh, hit songs there. It's actually called um, marketed as the hit recording capital of the world. And it was just really cool to listen to uh, do that episode and listen to all the 
hits that have come out of there, everything from Aretha Franklin to the Rolling Stones to New Age, like Jason Isbell. And, and it, it was just a really cool episode as a kind of a music buff. I, I really enjoyed it. And there was a lot of others that I could get into. We did a we did a leadership episode that there's a big push to build capacity. That That's a challenge kind of in Appalachia's building capacity and building leadership. We did a leadership episode with the directors of the leader of the state leadership offices in Virginia, in West Virginia, in Kentucky, in Ohio, and in North Carolina. So it was a pretty big lineup. It was hard to get through everyone in the 60 minutes that we had, but it was a really cool experience to hear about all the work that they're doing and all the, the things that they're doing just to try to build capacity throughout the region. Those are great examples. I've, I've, like I said, I've written a couple of these down that I want to go back and listen to. And I would say, you know, when I started listening to your podcast and if, if other people are kind of tuning in for the same, for the first time after hearing this one, you know, I really liked just the setup you and your brother did um, in the first episode um, yeah. that really helped me in terms of kind of setting the stage and giving me a lot of background and context. And then um, the other one that kind of sticks out in my mind of, of the few that I've listened to was your interview with Colby Hall um, from Shaping Our Appalachian Region or SOAR. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in that one, he was talking about broadband access and how that can really level the playing field, but that there's a market failure there, you know, for reaching some of these areas. And so, you know, the need for public investment and what that can look like, but then also, you know, the, the impacts that that can have in terms of allowing people to stay in the communities they want to be in, but still pursue the career paths that they want and how that can really, you know, help keep communities together. That was, that was a really powerful one that sticks out in my mind. Yeah, that, that was a great one. And we have, we, uh, Colby's doing some great things at SOAR, which is shaping our Appalachian region and especially around trying to develop that broadband access, but also uh, entrepreneurship. And we've had several mm -hmm. episodes on the importance of a diversifying the economy in Appalachia. You know, as you probably well know, and most people do, Appalachia has always been dependent on these extractive industries, these industries that come in and take and hardly <laughs> give back to the region. And that, that in the forms of, you know, coal, steel, timber, we have a rich history and tradition around those industries and they've been very strong and, and great for the region in regards to jobs but they've also been in strict decline over the last several decades even and because we've been so dependent it has devastated small towns and downtowns and some of the work that colby hall and soars doing in eastern kentucky it's just uh it's pretty amazing and and pretty cool just to hear that episode, but to hear him talk about it. And just to reiterate what, you're, what you said and let your listeners know, yeah, my brother and I, we come at this podcast, if you listen to the first episode, from two different directions, uh, kind of experiences. We kind of ground our podcast on place and perspective. And my brother and I have kind of two different perspectives about the region. I was the brother that left after high school and always tried to look for opportunities to come back, but never did. And he was the brother that went to college away, but came back and never left. And so we have those two different perspectives, but we both call Appalachia home. Yep, absolutely. You know, you've touched on a little bit of this in talking about some of the episodes, but 
just wanted to kind of segue into talking about some of the challenges you see that the region's facing, but also, you know, some of its inherent strengths and opportunities. Maybe we could talk about challenges first, and, and, and that'll lead us in, into, into the more positive conversation of strengths. What kind of key challenges do you feel the region's facing right now? That, that's a, you know, that's a real interesting, that, that's a really good question. I, um, it's funny when people kind of bring up, bring up Appalachia, when they talk about Appalachia, they always want to kind of talk about the challenges first. <laughs> there, mm-hmm. There's always this idea that, you know, we're desperate, devastated region, you know, on paper, we may be some of the poorest in the, in the country, but, you know, Appalachia is not all devastation and despair. So I, I wanted, just because you asked that question, I wanted to ask you a quick question, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Sure. This, this is a question that we ask all of our guests on our episodes. So I wanted to ask you what comes to mind, just the first thing that comes to mind when I say, that, when I say this word, Appalachia. For me, it's mountains. And I think that's because I went to school in Southwest Virginia, um, Virginia Tech. And go Hokies. (laughs) But, um, and I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's technically Appalachia or not, or just kind of right alongside. But, um, but that's just, just the feeling of like the nature and the mountains and the calm because I grew up in the DC area. So very different kind of environment. But just that that kind of peacefulness and and nature and mountains to me is the first thing I think of. Yeah, and it's always interesting to hear people's answers because you know we've had everything from mountains to people to specific things within the region, but we've also had people that that have said, and I appreciate the honesty that have said poor or devastation mm-hmm. or, or things mm-hmm. like that. So when I get the question of what are the challenges, what are the opportunities for Appalachia? I always think about the the amazing opportunities because, you know, growing up in the region, like I said, on paper, you know, we may have had some of the disparities when it comes to income or, or, or some of the poorest counties in America that is often portrayed in the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times. But living there on a day-to-day basis, you don't really feel those challenges, but you do see mm-hmm. the the potential opportunities in the region. You do understand through living there, through being there, what the opportunities are, you know, and and what could be in Appalachia and what is going on there, you know, as we speak. So I, I will speak to, you know, obviously there are challenges. There are challenges everywhere, but um, in Appalachia, like I mentioned, there there's challenges around income disparity. There's a lot around population loss because of these extractive industries, because of the decline in those industries, we've lost a lot of workers. We've lost a lot of people throughout the region. There's isolation due to transportation. I know that a bill, I think a bill just passed that the Appalachian region just received $1.2 billion in transportation funding, which can go a long way, obviously, for the region. And we've, you know, we've long been isolated in that regard. There's uh, poor infrastructure in Appalachia. That's always been a challenge in regards to water and sewer. Health is a major challenge in the region. Uh, I, I know I saw some numbers. The mortality rate, it's 33% higher in Appalachia than it is the rest of the country, which is 
hmm. an obvious issue. Uh, there's there's a r- rising case of obesity in the region. Uh, I think I mentioned maybe an aging population. There's a lack of access to health care. That, that is a major issue in the region. And, and there's a sudden concern on this rise in diabetes in the region, which obviously has to do with some of the obesity concerns. But also kind of on that note, and uh, people have seen in, in documentaries or recent movies, even on Netflix with Dope Sick. I don't know if you're familiar with that book, but there's a sus- substance abuse disorder in the region and it's a major epidemic in the region. It's the, the actual, uh, I think I looked at some numbers the other day, the actual overdose rate, death rate in Appalachia is 55% higher than anywhere else in the country, which is an wow. you know obvious case of concern for our region, but it not only affects those people, those families in the region, it also greatly affects the economy. There's a lot of economic issues that come with the not only the deaths from uh, overdose, but also just the substance abuse in the region. And so I, I could go uh, on and on in, in regards to some of the economic challenges, like I mentioned, the extractive industries, uh, because they have left, because there has been a dec- decline, and because Appalachia has always been so dependent on those industries, you know, small towns make up a large part of Appalachia and their downtowns have, have just been devastated from this uh, dependent on coal, on steel, on timber, on a lot of the other industries that have long been king in Appalachia. And because of that, um, you know, we point out, like I mentioned in a couple episodes, of why it's so important to diversify the economy. And so when you're, when we're talking about opportunities in Appalachia, some that that I see uh, for Appalachia, like I mentioned, there Appalachia is made up of a lot of smaller towns, and they have these unique downtowns. And there's a an amazing opportunity to diversify the economy in regards to entrepreneurship. I think it's an important aspect that could be pushed building this entrepreneur ecosystem. And there's a lot of amazing amazing organizations throughout the region that are doing this. I know the Foundation for Appalachian Kentucky and the Foundation for Appalachian Ohio uh, are doing a lot of work in this area. SOAR, as you mentioned, in eastern Kentucky. Coalfield Development, like I said, is pushing uh, social enterprises throughout the region. But there's this idea of just, you know, developing, and it's not much different than other areas, but developing an entrepreneurial ecosystem throughout the region. And other opportunities, you know, Appalachia is built on this vibrant culture of arts and trades. And and I think there's, you know, there are assets to the region and unique to the region. And also, like you mentioned, Leslie, this it's, it's just full of this diverse natural space um, that can be used as an asset in regards to ecotourism. There's a large push to develop the ecotourism in the region and throughout the region and connect it, whether it be through trail systems or, other things that are happening. And like I said, there are tons of organizations throughout. I know Pennsylvania Wilds is another organization that's pushing entrepreneurship. But there's just so many people that have been in some of those industries that have transferable skills that can be uh, dedicated to some of this work that's already going on. That's great. I want to shift gears a bit and ask you about your opportunity fund. And for our listeners, I'm saying app, A-P-P, opportunity instead of opportunity, in case that's not clear. 
but I think that kind of fits in with some of this talk about, you know, entrepreneurship and opportunities in the region. Can you describe this a bit and, you know, what your vision is for the Opportunity Fund? Uh, sure. So the Opportunity Fund, as you suggested, APP, <laughs> Opportunity, um, it, it's, it's an idea I've been kicking around. So like I said, I, I'm the brother that left Appalachia and have always tried to make it back. Um, and so I currently live in Cleveland, Ohio. I used to work for the city in economic development. Some of the work I did there, I was working with real estate crowdfunding platforms to try to get them to come into the city and utilize some properties and put them on their platform to uh, raise funds to help develop those properties. So in, in doing that, and, and I, you know, I've been working in economic development for going on a couple of decades now. And I've worked all throughout the country as a consultant. And everywhere I've, I work, I always think about what I, the solutions that I'm, that I'm providing or some of the work that I'm doing, how it could work or how it could translate to, in Appalachia. That's always been in the back of my mind. And when I was doing this work in Cleveland in regards to crowdfunding, I had this idea to utilize it in Appalachia in a way that would help to fund small businesses or startups in the region. And so this is nothing new. There are other platforms out there, but this is unique to Appalachia that the Opportunity Fund is, in a sense, an equity-based crowdfunding platform that would be just for the 423 counties, 13 states throughout Appalachia. And so it would be unique to those small businesses. But there's a major, uh, when we talked about challenges and, and entrepreneurship, in Appalachia, there's this challenge around cash and, and getting money to uh, small businesses within the region. And so as part of that, especially these downtown Main Street businesses that don't, aren't really bankable um, or even uh, the great ideas that are throughout Appalachia in regards to startups that aren't really bankable of how they can get these, these revenues in, in the beginning. And so as part of that, the Opportunity Fund would provide a platform to connect investors to uh, small businesses and to startups throughout the region. And it would be, while, while I say it's equity-based, it would be ba based on revenue year to year. And so the community would essentially, it, it would be based on the market and the community would essentially support the businesses that in, in their downtowns and in their own local communities. The Jobs Act that was passed way back in 2008 a lot of the language has been changed since then, but it provided the opportunity for investors a credit. There, there's this thing around unaccredited and accredited investors. And for a long time, accredited investors are the only ones that could provide equity to businesses. But now because of the Jobs Act, unaccredited investors or people that make below 200000 a year can now invest in any company through these platforms. And so that's the idea around the Opportunity Fund to provide funding to startups, to provide funding to small businesses. And, it, and it's still in its early stages. I'm trying to get it approved as a platform through the SEC right now, but um, that, that's a process in and of itself. So I hope to get it up and running over the next year. It does have a website. If you want to check it out, you can subscribe and get updates. It's opportunityfund.com. But um, I, I can answer some more questions about it if you'd like, or if that, that was a confusing ramble. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was great. And, 
you know, I'd love to check back in with you, you know, maybe a year from now or so and, and see what you're doing there and how it's progressed. Yeah, that'd be great. So, Will, before we wrap up, um, any final insights you want to give our audience about Appalachia? You know, anything that maybe isn't well understood or? Yeah, um, there are a couple things, you know, like like we mentioned, my brother and I started this podcast to dispel some of the misconceptions and just some of the cool, interesting facts. You know, like I mentioned, Appalachia, as defined by the Appalachian Regional Commission, is 13 states, 423 counties, 25 plus million people. But what some people don't know, I did mention that Appalachia is a lot of small towns, but as the ARC defines rural, only a quarter of those 423 counties, so only 107 counties are actually defined as rural in Appalachia. And I think a lot of people would be surprised at that statistic. You know, when people think of Appalachia, they think of these small, rural downtowns with not much there, just desolate and despair. And I want people to realize that Appalachia is not just this monolith, this whitewashed culture. It's this mix of, you you know, it was founded by this melting pot of Native Americans, of African Americans, of European immigrants. There's this, this amazing culture, rich diversity throughout the region. And um, I, I just wanted to point that out, that it's not all these small rural communities. You know, there's the Ashevilles, the Knoxvilles, the Chattanoogas, the Birminghams. All that is also Appalachia. It's a very full, rich, diverse region. And just a, a couple other quick uh, facts, since I'm on here, surprising facts that I actually learned throughout the podcast and some of the episodes Before coal, before timber, before um, steel and everything in the region, the uh, Appalachian region was well known for salt mining. And so we had one episode with J.Q. Dickinson Salt Works, which has revamped its salt mine in the Kanawha Valley in West Virginia, which is a really cool, if if you want, if if you like salt, definitely check out that episode. It's just a really cool history of salt mining in Appalachia. There's this river that runs underneath this valley that it's just amazing for the manufacturing and for the mining of salt and just a cool, rich history, hundreds, hundreds of years old in regards to salt mining throughout Appalachia. And one last fact that I'll leave you with in regards to Appalachia that some people may not know. We have such a diverse Bio biodiversity in regards to our eco, natural ecosystem. And Appalachia, through one of our episodes, you, you can find out, but Appalachia is actually the salamander capital of the world. So there are more species of salamander in central Appalachia than anywhere huh. else in the world. I thought that was pretty cool, and I just wanted to, to, to leave everyone with that. You know, my six-year-old in particular would be <laughs> fascinated by that particular fact. <laughs> but thank you, Will. Thank you for having me. Like I said, I appreciate what uh, the Redevelopment Institute does, especially offering all the free knowledge in regards to brownfields, in regards to redevelopment, but also uh, this podcast that you're starting. It's a really cool idea. Well, you know, thank you, Will. It's really been a pleasure to talk with you today. And You know, for our audience listening, I really highly recommend you check out Appalachia Meets World. Um, I think that podcast, I know I've I've gotten it off of Apple Podcasts. I assume, Will, 
you've got a variety of platforms that, that it runs through. Yeah, you can find it pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can just search for Appalachian Meets World. Perfect. Well, everyone, please check that out. And thanks for listening today on the Redevelopment Institute podcast. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast. And for more information and resources, visit our website at redevelopmentinstitute.org.